0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The 13%. I am your host, Cynthia McDonald, and I am just so glad that you all came and joined this particular broadcast. Uh, We're going to be speaking uh, momentarily with uh, Dr. Jared Ball of Morgan State University, um, and also the author of The Myth and Propaganda of of Black Buying Power. Uh, But before we get started, uh, just wanna get a few housekeeping items out of the way. Please uh, make sure that you like this video uh, Share it on your various platforms, and also don't forget to subscribe to YFNA News so that you can go ahead and get um, notifications every time that YFNA goes live with our show, The 13% uh, in Black and White, um, and also other content that we're going to be coming out with very soon. Uh, so yeah, that, there, there you go. So with that said, um, one of the first things that I would love to do, because I'm not doing the show by myself, We have a brand spanking new co-host of the 13%. Can we please bring up Mr. Producer, Mr. Arthur Ward?
1: Thank you. Hello, everyone. I'm I'm not, no, I'm not brand spanking you. I just made 64 years old today. So I'm not exactly in that category anymore, but, uh, I well I love the I love the platform and I'm glad to be a part of it at this at this point. We are so glad to have you, Arthur. Um yes.
0: Arthur is um is a um is an active member of ADOS Chicago. He's the vice president of that particular chapter, he's an activist, he's an advocate, he's also a writer. Uh he writes on his brand new blog, ADO, um ADOS Absolute. Uh so make sure that you guys check that out as well. All that great stuff is in the show notes below. Um, so, uh, so one of the, a few, one of the other things that I wanted to do also is, uh, over this past weekend, we did lose, uh, two, uh, civil rights activists, um, that were giants in their particular time. And we want to acknowledge them at this particular time, uh, representative John Lewis and also, uh, CT Vivian. Uh, we just want to go ahead and acknowledge, uh, them passing and also, um, and also the work that they have actually done to afford the cause. And hopefully with platforms like this and also things that are going forward that we can really pick up the mantle where they dropped, uh, where they left. Exactly, all right. Okay, so Arthur, are you ready to go ahead and get into this whole you dig? Yes. All right, okay, well, so let's go ahead and bring on our guest this evening. I just wanna do a quick introduction. Uh, Dr. Jared A. Ball is a father and a husband. And after that, he is a professor professor of communication studies at Morgan State University in Baltimore. And is also the curator of the multimedia website, I Mix What I Like. And he's also the author of The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power. So please welcome Dr. Jared Ball.
2: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
0: thank, you, thank, you, thank, you. <laughs> thank you for coming. Um, I actually had in the notes applause. So I want to make sure that that happened. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, so let's just get into it. Uh, well, you know, uh, Dr. J- uh, Dr. Ball, I know that I just did like a very brief introduction of you, but uh, do you wanna just kind of just expand on like, you know, your background and who you are and all that great stuff and even how we even came to this space right here? Uh, uh, the
2: only other thing I would wanna add perhaps is is uh, that I've been involved with grassroots activists, politics uh, for a couple of decades and um, try to expand alternative and radical forms of communication in the work that I do. But uh, the bio is as simple as is necessary. It's not even, it's, it's not that deep.
0: Mm. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> gotcha. All right, so let's just get into it. So uh, Dr. Ball, can you just kind of just go over why, what really inspired you to write this particular book?
2: So first of all, I just wanna thank you all for having me on uh, and I appreciate the chance to discuss the work, uh, obviously that's why Anybody does the work, chance to discuss it with the communities that they're targeting with the work that they're doing. So obviously, I'm happy to be here, and I appreciate that. Uh, the shortest answer I could give is that I, at where I ended a moment ago, in in you know two plus decades of of, of activist work, uh, everywhere I went, regardless of the space, and and I'm you know from some mainstream, even conservative spaces, but mostly in really grassroots, radical. Uh, and very even militant organizing spaces, there would be a version of this myth propagated in one form or another. And the myth is something we've all heard who deal in Black public spheres of any kind. We've heard a version of this that, uh, as is reported even just yesterday, that Black people have $1.4 trillion in buying power, and that if we were just more, quote, unquote, financially literate and responsible we could use that money with a greater level of maturity and somehow close the gaps of inequality or even get rid of them altogether. And at the same time, either through study or just reading reports or talking to people in these gatherings, even hearing them in the presentations that would promote this myth, I would also hear and read all the accurate, more accurate at least, uh, economic uh, research coming out about the condition of Black people. And the two didn't match up. So when I started writing for Black agenda report about 10 plus years ago or whenever it was, I, I figured, well this would be a good time to try to take up you know really look into the to what I thought was a myth. and uh, uh, so for about 10 more years, you know I, I, in one you know on and off I kept following and tracking the myth and finally got a chance to write a short book about it and uh, try to summarize that work and and that th- this is what that is.
0: Very good. Uh, so let's go ahead. Since you actually talked about uh, kind of like touched on this whole uh, notion about this one point four trillion dollars in uh, black buying power, even you, if you don't mind, can you go ahead and show that uh, first chart? Okay, thank you. Uh, so uh, according to this particular chart um, that we have up here, um, we can uh, see like where it kind of breaks down like uh, the share of US population as far as like, uh, buying power compared to other uh, races and ethnicities. And you can definitely see where that $1.4 trillion is actually marked on that particular screen. But I'm really curious to know if you can kind of uh touch on exactly where that particular num- number came from
2: Sure uh first of all can you I can't see it on the screen where did that that chart come from
0: Uh actually this was a chart that was sent to me, I'm not really sure exactly which sort of source it came okay. from, um, but that uh, particular chart was actually uh, sent to me by uh, a few other YouTubers uh, from be the uh, be the power team. But I don't. Um, but I do, I'm not sure exactly where uh, the actual source is.
2: Well, then the, I don't. Yeah, I only ask because I was just curious, particularly about the multiracial category, because in, some, mm-hmm. in most of the work that I look at that charts uh, black buying power, they so I would want to know how they counted multiracial, because usually so-called mixed race African Americans are Counted as part of the black buying power numbers, but but essentially the the numbers come to the same. Uh, so so black people have, uh, if you believe in the concept or understand it even as it's accurately meant to be understood, black people still only have you know eight percent or or you know still less than the population size of, of the community. But the numbers come from, and this is a really the pr- appropriate place to start. The numbers come from marketing and advertising data. Uh, And specifically from the Selig Center in the Terry Business College in the Bank of America building in Athens, Georgia, which is, uh, as its own mandate says, is there to help bridge the gap between advertisers and the Georgia business community. Mm. Uh, And what those numbers are meant to reflect are not as it's reported to us as money that we actually have and can use as we want to use. It's a measurement. It's an extrapolation. It's a, as in their own reports, it's a estimate or a projection of what money black people have to spend on available goods that they can buy, which are owned and promoted and marketed by the advertisers themselves. So in other words, it's a measurement of what of the ability of those communities to enrich the owners of the products they're buying. It is not a measurement of their income, it is not a measurement of their wealth, and it is not a measurement of a pool of money that again we could say, well, we could spend a couple hundred million here and a couple hundred million there. No, it's mm. it's it's an aggregate of what they think black consumers are spending. Mm. And then if you as I did, if you pay the $125 to get the actual selling center report. You'll spend that money and then you'll read and you'll see them say in their own report, we really don't have any way of telling you how much black buying power really is. Wow. We're we're offering you estimates and projections based on our model, which they also don't explain. So the methodology is really unclear. It's really confusing. And again, it's not meant to reflect the money we actually have. The problem is we'll get to is the way it ends up getting reported primarily in the black commercial press, which is what, mm-hmm. I, which is what I discovered in the process of doing this book. is mm-hmm. really more of a problem than I would have thought or would have hoped it would be.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. What is, point, what is the point at which they even started an estimate of that kind and, and have you found their projections to be accurate in any
2: way? Well, no, I mean, you could start with the simple fact that in 2019, I believe, and I have the exact numbers in the book, but the last, the last numbers we have data for show that black people collectively earned uh, 800 billion, little over 800 billion. Okay. So there's no way we could be spending over a trillion and have that be meaningful other than, you know, cause if you're spending more than you're earning, that's debt. That's not mm-hmm. wealth. That's not power. That's, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's one place to start. Uh, um, the reason the numbers are desired, as I said a moment ago, the the, the numbers themselves are mythical; they're they're guesses. Mm-hmm. But the the reason the numbers are important is because black and all commercial media, but in this case, black commercial media need to project a wealth or a a consumption power in the black community that would attract white corporate advertising revenue. Mm. So every year, about 500 or so billion dollars are spent by advertisers in commercial media. So Mm. everybody's trying to get their fair share. And Obviously, if you're trying to convince somebody to give you ad revenue, you need to convince them that the people reading your work can afford to buy and will want to buy what you're selling so that's where johnson comes in that's where the black commercial press comes in Mm. and that's one of the main if not the main reason why so many of us are confused because as you see on that list and i still have buying power as a google alert so Mm -hmm. every day even today i get an alert saying how it's being reported and discussed Mm. and every group has buying power assessed every group that can be broken down white men black men certain age groups certain gender sexuality everything religious preferences everything is broken down Mm -hmm. municipalities businesses are measured governments are measured for their buying power everything is measured but again all for the purposes of saying of of directing ad revenue not for trying to explain the economic condition of these groups but only with us Mm-hmm. Has been turned into a particular kind of weapon because of the particular history that black people have in this country that changes mm-hmm. it all up. So, Native Americans, Latinos, other groups, they have buying power assessed, but they're not in, to the extent that I'm aware at least. And in their presses, it's certainly not the case. They're not mm-hmm. really having all these conversations saying, you know, what well, we Indians and Native people and indigenous people would be better off if we just marshaled our buying power. No, there's <laughs> We need our land back. We need our resources back. <laughs> you reneged on every treaty, like we right. need that address Like right. so nobody else is saying, you know, shop and consume and and the you know regurgitating certain myths about about our dollars and all this other kind of stuff. And there's a, a very specific history that I try to quickly outline mm-hmm. to just explain, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to quote uh, from your book because I wrote notes. and um, just like uh, for the overview of what you were just uh, referring to, uh, I believe I want to say this is like in the second or third chapter. Uh, the claim that African America has roughly one trillion dollars in buying power is popular is popularly repeated mythology with no basis in sound economic logic or data. While the myth has a longer history, is today largely propelled by misreadings and poor false interpretations of Nielsen surveys and marketing reports produced by the Selig the uh, Center for Economic Growth at the Terry College of Business House in the, back, um, the Bank of American Financial C- uh, Center in Athens, Georgia. Um, but I, I kind of wanted to go back because there was a portion that you were talking about um, in the book about the Nielsen surveys Mm-hmm. And um, and basically how they were act, uh, interpreting um, the uh, like the, uh, the buying power uh, or this, quote, unquote, buying power that um, African-Americans have. Uh, you I think that you mentioned that, you know, this was basically based on, uh, I guess, like a collection of surveys that was sent out to people and they were reporting back what they were actually spend on certain goods and services. Is that correct? And can That's you, at least part
2: of that? it. That's at least part of it. So, so what the sell- so what what Nielsen does is kind of slick because Nielsen works with uh, the black press a- and others to produce these reports for black buying power mm-hmm. to direct again ad revenue. So, what they do in their reports is they do take surveys of black consumers and they'll they'll say you know, but they do it just like they do TV ratings. So, mm. just like mm. fifteen hundred households determine what are, are apparently all three hundred million Americans are watching you know, it's only 1500 households that determine what show was a hit. So it's not mm-hmm. that many. And so they'll grab, you know, uh, one year it was 80,000 uh, black consumers who went shopping over the Christmas holidays were were asked what they bought and what they spent their money on.
1: Mm-hmm. And they
2: take that and extrapolate those numbers to you know, 40 million people or whatever, and and come up with a number. But really what they're doing is they're just coming up with a way to to break down the spending. And then they reflect back and cite the Selig Center's claim for a trillion. So (laughs) so Nielsen just adds some of the detail about where Black people are spending their money. So they'll Mm -hmm. say, you know, out of the people we surveyed, uh, there was $100,000 spent on shoes and 200000 on uh, spent on electronics. And so then they'll extrapolate from that and say, well, if this amount of shoppers spent this amount on TVs, then we can basically guess that this amount of the whole population will spend this much on TVs. Yeah. And then they refer, then they'll just say in their reports, out of the, this is how the the one point whatever trillion is being spent, and then they'll have a little footnote that says this buying power number comes from the Selig Center, and then you go to find the Selig Center and you find out that you can't actually look at their data without buying the report. Mm, right. And by the time you get there, most people aren't going to do all of that. Mm-hmm. Not gonna, so you just see all the headlines, particularly in the black press, just again from two days or the yesterday, in fact, saying black buying power increases such and such Mm. make some other claim and then you read it and then it says something about buying power from the selling center or Nielsen, and then it makes whatever claim the journalist or author wants to make. Uh, and some of it's radical, some of it's conservative, some of it's silly, some of it's serious, but they're all basing everything on this mythological number. So mm-hmm. whether I agree with it or not, or whether you agree with what they're claiming to do with it or not, it doesn't matter. Even if you want the plan to work, it can't work on on a faulty uh, uh, you know, uh, platform.
1: Well, you know, they have a, you know, Nielsen has a bunch of actuaries working for him with crystal balls. So, uh, that (laughs) (laughs) may. But they also, I know that for a fact. (laughs) Well, look, and then,
2: and any of us, particularly in media, will know that Nielsen has a really funky history in how they measure black consumers. You know, and all kinds of even legal cases brought up about it. And all kinds Mm -hmm. of, there's funkiness there. Of course, they have an incentive to create these numbers because they get paid. They get (laughs) (laughs) paid. Everybody's yeah. just, and then the, the, everybody's getting paid, and then we're the victims because we miss we are have all this misreporting delivered on us, mm-hmm. uh, and then we we start making our plans and we start right. trying to plan either individually or collectively. People start businesses. I had a you know the, one of the brothers that was helping develop a, a promotional video was like he was looking at me funny one day and I was like, "What's the matter?" He said, "Man, I've developed my whole business model was based on the belief that this was real."
1: Oh, wow. so he's
2: like, I'm developing a black business model because I'm thinking this money's out there that I can get. And now here I am trying to help you promote this book. And you're telling me this isn't right. And I'm having a little struggle here. And I was like, I'm sorry. like, yeah. um, And believe me, all I can say is I don't benefit from this. It doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make mm-hmm. me money. It doesn't help my career. It doesn't do mm-hmm. anything. I don't benefit in any. You know, I get to talk to you all maybe mm-hmm. when I wouldn't normally get to. But that's about it. Um, um, so, it doesn't, I'm not thrilled to be bringing this bad news. I just really want us to have a better platform to develop our plans going forward, uh, whatever those plans are.
0: You know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that, especially about your friend, like trying to develop his particular uh, business uh, based on the information that he thought was accurate, but really it wasn't. Um, so, so, this whole thing came about, I think that I kind of, when we uh, first spoke, is when I posted one of your videos uh in lieu of seeing a big push on social media for a hashtag blackout. And and for those if you are not familiar, audience of like, you know, what the hashtag blackout was, it was basically um uh, a campaign to encourage black people not to spend their money for a day or if they're going to spend their money just spending on black businesses so that they can so that the economy uh, at large in the united states can understand the buying power that we have and 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 force some type of agenda to be pushed forth in our particular uh uh wake of of betterment you know and and i was um but when i actually happened to see that i was like is this really effective, you know, uh, based on uh, being more familiar with uh, black people's wealth, especially, you know, people who descended from chattel slavery uh, in the United States um, where how we share the wealth is very low um, as far as our income is low compared to other races, our um, our education, all these particular things is very low. So, you know, how, if, if we're saying that all of this stuff is a myth and I, and I kind of want you to go over like what why did you say myth and why did you say propaganda when you were uh, talking about, you know, even when you put this particular portion of your title, you know, why would it and then going back to what I was saying before, like doing this whole like um, uh, campaign for uh, hashtag blackout, would it be that effective? So my first questions are, you know, explain why you say myth and why you say propaganda. Why do you use those particular words? And and then lead on to if you felt that if you feel based on what, you know, uh, an economic pooling of this particular campaign would be effective or not.
2: So uh, myth is in the title myth and propaganda in the title, because more more than anything, my argument has you know, less to do with economics and more to do with ideas and media and 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 how concepts are developed and promoted. Uh, because the economics, as we just talked about, are really pretty simple. If you just look at the numbers and look at the studies I cite in the book, if you just look at the reporting that comes out regularly but doesn't get a lot of attention, there's so much showing what many people know just from looking out their own window and living, living their lives. It's just a bad situation for almost everybody, particularly for for us, for Black people, for from mm-hmm. Black. As you were saying, descendants of chattel enslavement—it's really bad—and uh, and, and and this was before this crisis. It's about to get even way worse. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I, I'm really—we're we, going to need some unity and some some communication more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the so the myth just again says that we have this money and we're basically only poor because we're ignorant, and mm-hmm. that and that and that somehow that wealth is created by shopping habits and, and, and spending behavior. And that's not how wealth is created. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not how the white people that have wealth got it. And that's not how uh, uh, anybody else could make it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that's where the myth part is. The propaganda comes in, in the, the, the media delivery system
1: mm-hmm.
2: that is developed in this country uh, intentionally, particularly after the Second World War, to, mm-hmm. to create a, a propaganda apparatus that would make media, as they discussed it, an atomic bomb without the mess. This is what the founders of my field of communication said, they, you yeah. know, that, that communication studies was to study how to manipulate people, how to turn citizens into consumers, how to turn white Europeans into white people, what mm-hmm. that means to be white here in America, because that didn't mean the same thing in Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it has to be, you know, and it, and it has to teach former African people, enslaved people to be what it means to be black here, because what mm-hmm. they mean it means to be black isn't what we think it should mean to be black. It's something, so the, it, all of this has to be taught without as much physical violence as possible, um, mm-hmm. because that's the most sophisticated mechanism of manipulation. If you can mm. get people to do what you want them to do without the threat of violence, by the way, I say this in my class all the time. We've all experienced this as parents. The moment your parent or you as a parent raise your hand to become physical with your child or, or as a child, that's the least powerful moment that they are experiencing. That's where the violent is, violence is coming from. Because mm-hmm. if, the, if the power is exerted when your mother or father could just give you a look or where you would just do what they wanted you to do without being told anything, that's mm-hmm. power. That's, mm-hmm. that's the minute they have to raise a hand and physically put something on, you may hurt. But that's their weakest moment, mm. and that's the way the military is here. They all kinds of propaganda is is developed in this country before the bombs drop, before the guns fire. Um, all kinds of propaganda has already been developed, so this country has been using it more than anybody else. So all this talk now about Russia and all that—nobody has developed and uses propaganda like people in the, like the United States. It's it's mm. it's it's it's, it's um, almost unfair to make comparisons historically. So. Uh, um that's what you know so anyway, so that that has been what I wanted to talk most at least a good portion of the, in, about in the book. How is mm-hmm. it that what is ultimately a very easy economic concept at its base is so confused and so mm-hmm. taken without even people questioning it mm-hmm. uh, everywhere you go? so that's where I wanted and that's what I think I've, I've I've developed an answer to but but that's that's why I was doing it because it's all um messaging and, and, and communication is warfare uh and psychological mm. warfare in fact it has uh, very little to do with actual economics mm-hmm.
1: well hey, remember, you know, i'm sorry go ahead Arthur. go ahead no go well ahead. you know no but i i I would say after reading your book that it could be uh the basis for a new economic philosophy as far well as buying power in the black community so it you you're still heavily in the the realm of economics so I will say nope. that okay, okay. fair <laughs> enough okay now <laughs> I'm gonna lean again on the third chapter. Third chapter in your book is the hot chapter. Just, I just wanna let you know. Okay. But in, the, <laughs> in the third chapter of your book, you recall an interview with law professor Merza Baradaran in which the insufficiency of support for black businesses was not enough for black economic uplift, but economic integration was necessary. And I'm quoting uh, Baradaran said, during our interview, you can segregate people but you cannot segregate money. Hers was a, was a similar response to and critique of the claim still made today that Black people can improve themselves and their collective lot by shopping Black, investing Black, and making the dollar rotate in our communities as it does in others. As Baradaran explained, wealth cannot be generated in this way because A, Wealth is created by investments in the broader national and global economies, not by circulation within one isolated group or economy. And most relevant here, B, black people do not have enough money to generate, support and sustain enough businesses who themselves can satisfy the consumer needs and wants of an entire black community. When asked specifically, has there at any point in black history been a time when, if all black people pooled their wealth and used it collectively, that they could have overturned their persistent inequality? Her answer came quickly and was simpler and and was simple. No now, with a response like that, sir, what do we do <laughs> uh, since it looks like blacks don't have any easy access to those doors that enable investments in the broader national and global economies? I am open to a creative response well, look
2: i I, I try to offer <laughs> one in the book. I admit it's 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 a struggle to come up with an answer. I don't know yeah. exactly what to. By the way, what is left out of that answer uh, and it was ringing in my ears, you were reading it. Uh, and I, first of all, I appreciate that you all read the book because one of the one of the issues that I've always had is, is is and even since the book came out is people don't read the work and have, <laughs> have even when they, and even when they want to support or agree with me. They uh-huh. do it, you know, I, I would prefer that they did it after, you know, checking out the work. But but mm-hmm. but uh, definitely if you disagree, at least listen to the argument. So I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, um, the the part that's left out that, again, was ringing in my ear is that the the first part uh, uh, of establishing wealth is military conquest. Uh, and we you know, I even left that part out in in that quick summary. Um, you have to always remember that before the the development of markets and the 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 uh, uh, investment of capital is the conquering of a region, of conquering of a people. You have to conquer a territory. You know the reason the United States seemed to support decolonization against the, against Europe for the continent of Africa and elsewhere wasn't because they cared about the people, it was because they wanted to get rid of the colonial power so that they could get in there with their investments. They had to get rid of King Leopold and the King of Germany, the Germans, they had to get rid of the English, they had to get rid of everybody so they could invest with their corporate money and their investment. You have to conquer the region first. So, Mm. uh, uh, you know, if we were being honest and looking to compete at that level, we would have to be thinking about developing a military and going to war and conquering Mm -hmm. territory. But in the interim, since that's not on the table, what I'm advocating in the book is that we go back to what are the real power that I think that is the only real power we have, which is organized social political movements, and then go after the political apparatus of the country. And and by that, I don't mean voting and supporting the, the currently selected politicians and all of that. But In short, I would advocate more using the vote the way Malcolm X and others advocated, where we were developing platforms and candidates and movements to support them. And then saying, ultimately sending people to Congress and elsewhere to develop redistributive uh, policies, because it's public policy that determines wealth and how it's made and who gets it. It determines what businesses can can function and, and what they, you know. Um, And where the money goes that's created. So instead Mm -hmm. of going after the mythical $1 trillion of buying power, I want us to go for the very real $20 trillion that is created every year uh, in gross domestic Mm -hmm. product that we all contribute to when we pay taxes Mm -hmm. and buy food and go to the movies and buy the fancy lattes and whatever we're doing. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't be condemned for the shopping. We should be praised for it because, one, it keeps people in. First of all, to go back to that second. Let me answer. I'm sorry. The second part of that question. Forgive me. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry about that. The reason the boycotting doesn't work is because, one, we don't have we don't have enough organization to sustain the boycott long enough to affect what are ultimately global private equity and corporations. People always talk about the bus boycott in Montgomery that was targeting one bus system in one municipality for three hundred and seventy, whatever, 80 days or whatever It's more than a year just to break down that one bus company. Think about the level of, of organizing we would have to do nationally to impact international conglomerates who are making trillions all over the place. Um so that's one thing. The other reason that boycotting, at least on the long term, doesn't work is because many of our people and poor people in general are working at the places that need people to go in there shopping. Mm. If we're boycotting even these companies we don't like, there are people in our communities and our families that are working there that need people to go in there. And as we're seeing right now in this crisis, when people don't go shopping and aren't participating in the economy, everything collapses right. and the elite have to create $6 trillion out of nowhere and give it to themselves.
0: Mm. I know, right? <laughs> Yeah, you know it was kind of funny. Like I was, uh, you know, because I have a lot of fights on Twitter because you know I do that to pass the time, and uh, (laughs) why not (laughs) COVID? But um, one of the things that uh, I know that like every time that we get pushed back, especially when you're talking about political advocacy for basically you know government pay us for what you know you stole, um, people like we can't afford it. And and I remind them, I said, do you remember how the government came off of $2.2 trillion in one week? No, no, I'm sorry. Less than a week.
2: Yeah.
0: And well, basically paid themselves because, it went, because the majority of that money went to, uh, went to corporations.
2: That's right. And the yeah. $1,200 that got shipped out to, to working people got rent, sent right back to those same elite people anyway, because everybody right. paid their bills, the landlords got paid, and that's what they wanted. So it's not... <laughs> It's not that it was really, you know, that should be being given out every week so that people could stay home, be safe and continue shopping from home, supporting businesses when they can and and being like, you know, that's the social contract. We'll take care of you till you get better, then go back to work and take care of us. Mm -hmm. And it should be, you know, again, hashtag respect my consumption.
3: Mm -hmm. don't
2: don't tell me not to go shopping you know and to not buy hair and rims or whatever we're always condemned for for buying we should be buying more and 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 the wealth that that creates should just come back to all of us in terms of health care and education and whatever i mean you know whatever um tax breaks so that you know tax subsidies so we could spend money on whatever our favorite media is so that we could say i want to i want i want to instead of i'm paying you know, whatever to a hundred dollars to Hulu. I want to give, you know, I want a tax subsidy from the wealth I'm helping create that Mm. would be spent with the 13%.
1: Um,
2: You know, I, you know, as Jared is a consumer, I want to support this show. I don't want to have to support uh, whatever cable company that I don't even watch just because I want to be able to get local news. Mm -hmm. In in other words, like there's millions of, you talk about, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, coming up with new ways for the economy. This is to me the perfect moment we should be doing it. Because mm-hmm. the, the current economy clearly doesn't work.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, as well, well, let me ask you this. Uh as of the day, what what role do you see black entrepreneurship playing in terms of black empowerment and the harnessing of black buying power at this point?
2: Honestly, I mean if I don't any- think
1: it, I don't
2: think they can do much. I mean, you know, I'm not first of all, I think we should support black business. I think that 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 black business should accept whatever social contract comes with that and find ways to in, in whatever they're doing to support uh, the, the the black community. Uh, we don't I certainly don't want to help create another just a black bourgeoisie. And, and, you know, we hear all the time that poor black people get into the NFL and then we hear them talk all the time how they always end up voting Republican. Mm. That's not the contract that I want. Uh, I don't support the Democrats either, but I'm just saying that's not the kind of contract <laughs> I want. I don't want, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I don't want to just create a black wealthy group that's going to sit away and look down on everybody and not help everybody else. So what mm-hmm. I would want the social contract to mean is we support your business and somehow in whatever way you can, whatever money you're making, whatever political influence you have or whatever platform you develop, you're doing something that's helping advance the causes of, of people in the community. Mm-hmm. Um But 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 as I was saying in that quote you read and I and you know, we can't make enough black businesses wealthy enough for them, even if they wanted to to be helpful enough to all of us. Mm. So so, uh, um, you know, I was just thinking, you know, this comes up for me all the time, too. You know, people say, well, if 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 one of us would set up a, a shoe company, we would stop spending all that money on Nike and we could buy a black shoe company. But okay, that's cool in, in idea, but you'd have to think about even what's happening now in the crisis. One of the reasons why that money was was developed and given away, uh, and now it's over again, $6 trillion is because even Nike on a day-to-day basis has to borrow money from probably JP Morgan or some other bigger bank to cover the payroll for its employees for that day. Why? Yes. Because the money that they're making is constantly being vested somewhere else and turning over and making Phil Knight or whoever the executives are today, even more and more money. So, mm-hmm. so that's sort of the point. We, if, if we go to the black, you know, the, the black shoemaker and start supporting her or him, they would have to get capital investment in the hundreds of millions and billions from some major bank to be able to scale up, to be able to produce enough of the shoes for us to buy. Otherwise we'd be putting in orders and waiting, you know, two years for a pair of shoes
1: right mm-hmm.
2: um uh and what ends up happening is if we all start flooding that business with business it collapses it would probably kill the business more than anything because they wouldn't be able to, they would go bankrupt or whatever trying to keep up in fact killer mike showed us this in his netflix series if any of you mm. caught that he shows on the one hand he supports the buying power concept and says we should support black and do better with our money but when he takes the crip and blood representatives to try to start their soda companies to to, to bring peace the first thing he has to do is go to a white elite venture capitalist to get funding. Right. Mm-hmm. say <laughs> so that's exactly right. the point. Right. Cuz mm-hmm. there's not enough money anyway. So th- so 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 the black entrepreneur I think needs to just just take his or her normal place in the community and not be seen as the savior as I think the buying power myth wants to create the the hope for and and um just like the rest of us, we all have to try to find ways and with whatever resources we get to help other people, they have to do the same thing. And I don't think, but I don't think that they should be looked at as the saviors. I don't think we should be looking at propping up black businesses with the idea that they're going to somehow redistribute and trickle down money to the rest of us in a way that's going to really close the gaps in in income and wealth that that we Mm -hmm. suffer.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: By the way, and the elite have control of the political apparatus. And part of the myth is to get us away from that.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And only
2: focus on business and whatever, but they themselves know that their businesses depend on control of the government to again manage tariffs and taxes. The study that just showed again, what was it, seventy percent of unpaid income comes yes. from the top one percent. Unpaid taxes yes. come from... So even if they paid their own taxes, all of us would have the money we needed. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, like, but if we some, so so we can't compete economically. We're never going to catch up. Our only hope is to see what the influence that we see coming from people being in the streets, developing political movements, hopefully organizing them a little bit better to create demands and people who could follow through with those demands and try to get control of that apparatus of of government to a certain extent to say, if we're creating 20 trillion in GDP every year in gross domestic product, that is the value of all the goods and services and products transacted in a given year, why... Are we arguing over anything, even reparations? Why is anybody arguing over anything? $20 trillion a year, my goodness. Mm. Nobody should be suffering for anything. And then we can all go to our various separate communities for the other kinds of healing that we need. Because I don't Mm. think, you know, no, you know, black people have their own particular healing, others have their own particular healing. But in terms of the money, we're all creating this wealth, and I'm 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 sick of being told that I gotta argue with you and someone else over what portion of that wealth that we should get. When I mean it's just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Like even mm. though, like I said, I, I have a you know propensity to argue on Twitter about these things, but you know at the same time, uh, there there should not be an argument on things like pain, especially when it comes to redress, repair, uh, reparations, especially you know, cause it's old and, and, and yeah. there's, and, 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 the, and the kind of funny thing that you even mentioned uh, concerning um, not looking to black business as saviors, but um, looking, but actually looking to where we really should be looking at as far as like where other businesses look at, which is government, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it, because like, I know that like oftentimes we would hear oh, just uh, go ahead and uh, get into like an MLM and then, you know, put in your money and then you can go ahead and start producing product and then you'll be fine. But, you know, regardless, even to make yourself a viable business person, you need, you need capital, you need like, you know, and and even if we, uh, if but if we, again, we look at the wealth share of, of what we have as a group, we, that's just not something that we have, you know? Um, But I wanted to kind of go all the way back when we were talking about um, uh, the uh, uh, Black uh, publications kind of sharing in this particular myth. Mm -hmm. Um, Mr. Producer, if you could please uh, pull up The Secret of Selling the Negro. And I just want to set this particular video up people. So this was a video, this is a film that actually came out in 1954 uh, by Johnston products, uh, by Bob Johnson publishing. And John Johnson's uh, no, John Johnson, Johnson. Right, John Johnson publishing. Thank you. And, um, in, and, and it was basically a, a film that was, uh, produced in order to uh, get white corporations to buy ad dollars so that they can uh, do black targeting, uh, black, uh, black market targeting. So go ahead.
3: Hello. I'm Bob Trout. I've got a story here that I think is big, really big, because it's bound to have a terrific impact on business. I'm talking about a new market, a big new market, millions upon millions of new prospects with $15 billion to spend. That's right, I said $15 billion. That's a lot of money, isn't it? The surprising thing is that it's a fresh market, still full of opportunities. It grew up so fast Got so big in a hurry that few of us realize its scope. Now, these days, nobody's likely to pass up chances to sell. And yet, right here in our own front yard, there's a neglected market. There's money waiting to be spent. To get the story of this market, to be able to tell you the secret of selling the Negro, we did a lot of digging. We talked to leading businessmen, the customers, and the salesmen. We went to Washington, D.C. We set up cameras and other key points around the nation. And out of this all, there emerged a story, the story of a new market. Yes, this is the market we're talking about, the new Negro family. Their name is Wells or Wilson, Smith or Brown or Alexander or Bree They live in Chicago, in Atlanta or New York. In Detroit, St. Louis, Los Angeles, any one of a thousand cities and towns. All over the country, families such as this are enjoying new prosperity. They have new interests, new standards of living, a buying power they've never enjoyed before. They're good prospects for practically all types of goods and services. All too often though, they're overlooked prospects. Why? Because of some good, valid reason? No. They're overlooked because of mistaken ideas, because of -of out-of-date ideas about how the Negro lives and how he buys. The truth of the matter is that the Negro lives pretty much the same as other folks. He buys pretty much the same way, too. But just the same, a lot of old doubts and opinions keep cropping up over and over again. Ah, I don't like to do business with Negroes. They're drifters. You can't keep track of them. Yes, although a lot of people think that way. The truth is that one out of every three Negro families living in cities today owns its own home. That figure comes directly from the United States Bureau of Census. Uh, Maybe so, but Negroes are poor credit risks. Not more of a credit risk than any other group. Actually, the Negro homebuyer meets his payments faithfully, often more faithfully than other race groups in the same economic level. That's the information we got from people who ought to know. The National Association of Real Estate Boards. Well, maybe, but I've always heard that Negroes buy shoddy, poor quality merchandise. No, it's just the other way around. According to leading researchers, in proportion to population and income, Negroes buy more quality products than any other comparable United States group. You see, there are a lot of confused notions about the Negro customer. But when you dig right down and find out about them, they just don't hold water. Negroes own homes. They meet their payments faithfully. They buy good brands of merchandise. So why let a lot of old-fashioned ideas hurt profits? Take a look at the real facts. Here in Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, some amazing facts and figures about this new market have been uncovered. For a first-hand report, we would like to take you directly to the United States Department of Commerce to hear this story from the Secretary of Commerce himself. Here All is right. the Honorable Sinclair okay. Weeks. Go ahead and Secretary- stop right
0: now. Okay, so, Doctor, <laughs> I like the way that he, like,
1: uh, elongated vibes. That, was uh- <laughs> that dude uh, he- had a whole tube of real cream on his head. <laughs> 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 I guess that's how they got down in 1950. That's, that's how they got down. <laughs> he thought he was doing it. He was doing
0: yeah, it. He, he was did. doing it. He did. Y'all, I don't know why y'all was sleeping on them. Stop. It. Stop. 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 Dr. Ball, can you um so I know that you kind of wrote about this particular video in like in your um in your book and and basically um uh, uh what uh what the whole purpose was it and and kind of like what it uh how it kind of set off this whole like myth and propaganda about black buying power can you kind of go into that a little bit for us
2: please so i mean sure i mean again uh you know after the second world war where black people were uh, able to enter the the labor market a little bit more than they had been previously there was this increase in income and the part where you, where you cut off just after that uh, uh council uh, um chamber of Com- commerce Secretary Weeks comes out and says, but nowadays black people earn $15 million. And then he sort of pegs $15 billion. And he sort of pegs buying power to that, uh, um, to to again, suggest this is the money floating out there that corporations can get their hands on.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: uh, and Johnson wanted to, you know, Johnson, look, Johnson was part of a class of, of black people in this country. That wanted to uh, um, maybe does not as bad as the way I'm putting it here, but take advantage of the moment uh, and to make money. Uh, mm-hmm. And he wanted to deliver a, a version of Black Pride that would be a, a way of earning. So the Black Pride he wanted to present was sort of what you saw there. You know, we can be middle class like anybody else, and we can eat at fancy restaurants and drive nice cars like everybody else.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and to present Black people specifically also as not you know, civil rights. We're not, you know, revolutionaries. We just want the middle-class life. Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you pay me, I will put a lot of eyeballs and, 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 and ears on your product. Mm. Uh, and that's what Johnson was trying to do. And he uh, was successful at it and made a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. he set a pattern in motion that today, uh, is in, in, still in full effect. Uh, whereby the black press is helping to literally produce these reports uh, where they say specifically to to have corporations, white corporations respect us more, Mm -hmm. meaning spend more advertising on us. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
2: And uh, uh, and and there it is. So um, anyway, that's that's at least the overview of what, Mm. because when I first saw the video, I didn't see the Johnson tagline on the bottom of the copy that I had. Mm-hmm. So I initially thought this must be like I had initially because this is back when I think I had it on VHS first and I was thinking I had found the underground, you know, white corporate marketing propaganda <laughs> video, you know, like, and then later I was like, oh, no, this is Johnson. And he in fact, wore, it was an award winning video. The, the advertising community re- awarded it with, you know, uh, praised it for it, it accomplishing what Johnson wanted to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, By the way, there's another aspect real quick of the the propaganda effort from the other side, which is while Johnson wanted to make some money uh, um, by presenting black people this way, the white elite wanted to present black people this way globally Mm -hmm. to to promote America, particularly after the Second World War, as the singular power in the world as being Mm -hmm. open to even our formerly enslaved can get in on this winning capitalism thing. Mm. Uh, uh So all the rest of the world. So when they're after Second World War, and as the United States went to war against communism, they wanted to use this and other things to promote American capitalism as the saving grace of everything. You don't need revolution. You don't need communism. You don't need any of that. You just need a little bit of good advertising and some capital and, and even the formerly enslaved can, can be good. So therefore, mm. everybody in your country, wherever you are,
1: mm. can be good too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but that was kind of that was kind of wrecked in the early 1960s when those pictures and started leaving the country the dogs and you know the fire hoses and all that kind of stuff and Russia was actually able to use that as propaganda mm-hmm. uh, to encourage African nations to become part of their bloc.
2: That's right. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely important. so. So, as I mentioned in the book, propaganda isn't always successful. But the Mm -hmm. argument to me isn't whether it's successful. It's the it's our point should be what is the intent. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people, particularly like a lot of my students, you know, particularly a lot of young people. You know, when we're young, we always think we're we're impervious to everything. So everybody's like, why I you know I overstand everything now. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I, I, I get everything. Uh, so, so I don't want to argue with them. So I'm saying I'm not arguing whether the propaganda was effective. I just want us to be clear that this is what the elites are trying to do.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: and you know uh, and you know so that's at least what I'm saying. You know, so to your point, you're right that it, it wasn't always effective. It didn't always work in every instance, and other people were obviously able. And obviously, even uh, 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 um, when when um, Mama Till uh, put out Emmett's picture, I mean that went around the world and bust up a lot of the mythology too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so propaganda, this is why it keeps having to reform itself. This is why mm-hmm. capitalism keeps rebranding itself. It's, it's a constant mm-hmm. process. They're like, oh, we lost a little bit here. Let's come back and, and, and rebrand over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so absolutely, that's what was done. Uh, So, you know,
0: and I was curious to kind of find out like exactly where like black America was like at that particular time. Uh, Ethan, can you pull up that uh, chart from um, app stop um, urban? And can you scroll down to where it says average family wealth by race and ethnicity? Okay, I think you passed it. Go up some more. It says um, average race, average family wealth by race and ethnicity. Scroll down. Right here. I think it's a a little bit further. It's it's actually entitled uh, average family wealth by race and ethnicity. So look for average.
2: <laughs> that wasn't it right there. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I
0: thought
1: that was it.
0: Okay, where it says, uh, wait, hold on. Scroll up some, scroll up some. Okay, where it says show medium. Okay. Um. So I, if you all can see, like I, I have it pulled up on my screen too, um, where you can actually look at uh, it, it doesn't go all the way back to 19 uh, to 1954 when that pers- particular video came out, but the uh, the chart that I'm looking at actually goes uh, to uh, 1963. And if you go to like uh, uh, where uh, the median was as far as like family wealth and by race and ethnicity uh, in 1963, uh, white uh, median. Wealth, family wealth was roughly around $47,655. However, where it says non white was $2,467. So when I even look at uh numbers like that and when it just says non-white i'm assuming that it's just actually just putting in all minorities that were living in um in america at that particular time and then doing the average of as far as i'm not the average for the medium wealth but um it's kind of start to see uh because like you know usually oftentimes when they talk about minorities especially that particular time that was mostly black folk and you know it's kind of funny how, like, they actually put this whole uh thing together. Like, collectively, Black people owe are earn about fifteen billion dollars, so that, that that would be uh, money for them that was easy easy for them to let go and to spend. Um, you can go ahead and uh, take that chart off. And
2: that's what buying power means. Again, it's mm-hmm. it's the the power to enrich the people that own. Well, for lack of a better word, the way Marx put it, the means of production. So mm-hmm. so so even here, I don't even know why they. I'm not sure why they do it, but you have the option there to go from average to median. Average yeah. should never be used in economics. So I don't right. even know why they have that option there.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's uh, why I, don't know that's why term- I to put median instead of yeah. like average. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. It should always be median. And then it, and that shows just really how bad it is. But, but, because, uh, um, uh, first of all, as far as I remember, uh, um, the, the median black household has about, Six to seven thousand dollars in net wealth today, but also has more than six thousand dollars in credit card debt, right? So that can't be considered an economically strong or viable situation uh, uh, on its own face. Um, uh, So, this is why, again, the issue for me is more propaganda than than anything else uh, Mm. because how else? By the way, the elite you know one of the fascinating things you know that in in for me at least in the in the course of study of the media history in this country is that the the uh um I think it's attributed to Chomsky but that the the that that uh violence is to totalitarianism what propaganda is to democracy hmm. that is or you tell people they're free the more you have to propagandize them uh, because if you're in a dictata- in a dictatorship, you don't have to say anything. You can just say, "I'm here," and if you mess up, I'm gonna knock your head off. In mm. um, here, where we're told constantly we're free, everybody has equal opportunity. You know, you just need all this other propaganda to have you know to say, "Well, no, you're not free because it's the immigrants," or "No, you're not free because it's the black people," or "No, you're not free because it's you know black or you know if it's to black people themselves is no, you're not free because you are your own financially illiterate self mm. holding. So it's all of this propaganda that's needed to hide the fact that 400 families walk off with 95 percent of all the wealth every mm. every year that we create. Uh, mm. You know, um, so even to talk about white people is misleading because then even the class division within that that group is misunderstood. You know, in other words, mm. capital a white supremacist capitalist society doesn't even work for a majority of white people.
3: Mm. <laughs> that's how.
2: That's how messed up it is. Like even they are really struggling uh, relative to themselves, at least not to us. But but um, you know the, the 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 gaps. So my favorite part of the book, and I'll just and then I'll stop this rant here, is that is honestly the part about Nick Hanauer, the venture capitalist, who I heard at two a.m. on National Public Radio a couple years ago, and I almost crashed the car because I couldn't believe this venture capitalist was on national radio saying what he was saying. And what he was saying is the rich have to get more money back to the poor so that we can save ourselves because hey. we don't have, because he said a Starbucks employee doesn't earn enough to actually buy coffee from Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And when at have that level of inequality, the people rebel. And he was saying, look, I'm not a socialist. I love the billions that I make all the every, every year, but mm-hmm. I can't I, I'm not feeling safe because of there's too much inequality. And then we're seeing it. And then I found out I was mad I found it after the book went to press that in 2018 the Air Force was running military drills because they're predicting that by the middle of this century, even before COVID, they were predicting by the middle of this this decade rather, uh, the 2020s, that the that Generation Z would be in a Z Bellion because that generation would have finally grown up and realized that they have nothing all the, you know, all, they've never had anything they've been born and they've lived in, 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 in persistent war and inequality and police violence and, mm. and they're going to rebel. So they mm. were already in the military drills preparing uh, for the, for the response to the inequality that they know they're creating and is going to create hostility. So, Mm. Part of it is a military response But then part of it is also the propaganda response Which is why Amazon is doing Black Lives Matter and Netflix is putting Its black content out And even, again, my favorite Was when Jamie Dimon took a knee In front of the J.P. Morgan Chase You didn't see that part? I missed that one (laughs) He literally takes a knee In front of his vault (laughs) And I was screaming at the thing, laughing like, Like, dude (laughs) Open the
1: door.
2: <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like They are in full-blown. All the PR companies are making all their money right now coming up with all these campaigns to make sure oh, that we don't man. go...
1: Professor, mm-hmm. you made my night with that one, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I gotta see that. Oh, uh, yeah, Google it. I with a mask on, like on a knee with his fist. Back.
0: No, no, no. Oh. I, I, oh. I want to bad to say uh, <laughs> if there's any white people listening to the show, please I don't do so. that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I could, but don't do that. <laughs> that's exactly what I need you not to do. And don't
2: do the in the Nancy Pelosi, Kente Claw oh, no. Don't oh, do my that God. either.
0: Oh, oh yeah don't don't do that i i posted that uh picture i think i put it on facebook and on twitter and i said what in the kente cosplay is this
2: and then you saw her <laughs> husband got that bailout money so w- yeah. not only is she worth hundreds of millions or whatever 100 million her husband got bailout money
0: right yeah
2: imagine that yeah. what a coincidence
0: wow or is it?
2: That's what I have.
1: Oh, right. <laughs> like
2: Ishmael Reed said, you could call me a conspiracy theorist as long as you acknowledge yourself as a coincidence theorist.
1: Oh wow.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, you know, my whole thing is, and as much as like I love to go after the conspiracy theorists, um, if you, uh, my first question to any person that actually presents a particular theory or a conspiracy theory is, what, uh, what data? or what evidence do you have that this is true, you know? And um, uh, I know that like, especially in, but anytime that somebody tells me do your research, I already won. I won the argument, you know, because like the thing about it is, is that like, if if I can, if you can tell me that this is this or this is happening to this, but you can't uh, present any type of data, you know, I'm less likely to believe you or feel that you just pulled this particular thing out your butt, you know? So, one of the things that I definitely appreciated even book, reading your particular book is like you actually gave us reference points um and oh. it, yeah a, a whole lot of reference points and I was like, okay you know I was like oh let me go ahead especially when you brought up the Bureau of Labor and Statistics mm-hmm. um I want to say excuse me as I am going through my notes uh you talked about um how like the Bureau and Labor Statistics was used in order for, uh, to gather particular data about us uh, about spending. Um, however, what their, nor- what their whole portion is, is basically is to measure unemployment. Um, however, I do see, but, but I even, when I post like some of their reports, it was just like uh, measuring spending on stuff that people buy every day, like food, clothing, homes etc you know um, instead of so I, I don't I don't know if that would even be a really good measurement to even say that again this particular group since they spend so much money in this particular area that they have the buying power to do so
2: but again again as I the reason I kept trying to repeat it as much as possible in the book is because that is only meant to measure the money that is made available to specifically spend on what other people own. Mm-hmm. So so when 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 my wife and I bought our house, the idea that it first of all, how did you all feel after we bought our house? Mm. Like, how did your life change? Because I bought a house.
0: Mm. I was about to say you bought a house. Exactly. Okay. So, so that's what I'm saying. Okay. So, so this
2: idea that I'm contributing to something that's helping other people. But the other part of the that that, that is mythologized in that is that the money we spent on this house was specifically money lent to us by a bank specifically to buy this house. Mm-hmm. You couldn't even take that. You can't even take the bank loan to buy another house. True. Right. You have to, you, it's tied to that it's house. Tied to that house. Right. Right. So so the same thing. And then when the pipes burst in that house and we didn't have the $10,000 in the bank to fix the pipes, we got another bank loan to mm-hmm. fix those pipes, now, mm-hmm. all of that money gets counted as buying, as spending, as consuming. But, but, it, 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 but it, we weren't sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars that we could have said, well, we could buy that house or maybe we'll buy stock or maybe we'll invest in the 13 percent or maybe we'll do this or we'll do that. We didn't have that. We we again you go through the paperwork you qualify for this house this loan on this house and that's it and if you try to go to another house you got to get the loan reapproved to get approved for that house they got to reinspect that house because the bank owns it the bank right. you're paying the bank but but it goes right. on the book same thing with a car you buy a car you get a loan to buy that specific car. The Mm -hmm. car company has also gotten a loan from a bigger bank to pay their payroll for that day or to cover the cost of bringing in new vehicles for that day Mm -hmm. based on what business they expect to do that the bank trusts them to pay back later on. All Mm -hmm. of this is so, by the way, again, I know, you know, Marx is himself propagandized, but in his brilliant work on capital, what is under what is exposed in that is that capitalism works by money moving. So Mm -hmm. going back to Baradaran's point, we can't just circulate dollars amongst each other and develop wealth. It has to get invested and moved and moved and reinvested uh, 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 to keep the global pyramid scheme going. Mm. Um, You know, if you save money, the the, the, the scheme stops. Everything Mm -hmm. shuts down. By the way, have you ever gone to the bank and tried to withdraw all the money you've had in the bank at one time? If it's over five or six thousand dollars, you probably can't do it because right. the bank has already taken that money and invested it somewhere else. And they'll tell That's you to come true. back in a few days and fill out mm-hmm. some more paperwork, and then you could take out all your money. So right. so this is, this is, look, and there's so much more. And I would really encourage people to read Mar- Marissa Baradaran's book because she mm-hmm. really breaks down the history of the banking system in particular. Yes. Um, yeah.
0: That yeah, would really encourage the, incur- the I, color of uh, the color of money. The color of money. Yeah, right. the color of money. I, I know I've read it. Uh, actually, uh, I think that the majority of people that's in the chat right now have read that book. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, um, yeah. we
1: we have a we have a monthly book that we right read on. In yeah. and that, that was one of them. Matter of yeah. fact, I met uh, Miss Baradaran in in uh, Louisville earlier this year before COVID hit. Right on, interesting lady.
2: It's very mm-hmm. interesting. Her work is strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we did a couple good interviews uh, as well, and uh, um, when her book first came out, and uh, um, uh, yeah, big supporter of that work. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, and then my, I also like to you know point to the, the myth of black capitalism that Earl Ofari wrote in 1970, which going mm-hmm. back to the earlier history of this country really breaks down why black banking can't work, and it has nothing to do with the, the mythologies again about our fan, financial illiteracy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It has to do with what banks are here to do. And banks are not here to create wealth for poor people. Right. <laughs> that's not what right. they're here to do. Right.
1: Uh, um,
2: so so that, you know, that's not going to, you know. Uh, uh, anyway, and the same thing with with Earl Afari's work in terms of the history of black business mm-hmm. and it not being a pathway for the collective. Uh, again, we just don't we don't earn enough money. So but again, I don't want to be misrepresented. I, I, this happens all the time. I'm not saying uh give up and just quit i'm not saying don't support black business or or black whatever Uh, i'm just saying we need to have uh and i don't have the solution myself i just encouraging that we develop some methods to get beyond this particular myth and a couple of others and then we'll figure out exactly uh what to do
1: okay well i have a uh i have a question there's a quote um from your book that i'd like for you to uh respond to in a particular way okay um you make this statement and it goes against the common belief that recirculating dollars within the community is a major way is is uh, is it go is a major way to create a prosperous community now the quote goes the forced physical displacement of entire black communities and the creation of segregated worlds is what imposes an initial sense of an of an apparent power of an internally circulating black dollar However, disconnected from any meaningful participation in the broader economy, those black dollars could not become capital and thus could not expand. Without expansion as capital investment with returning profits, those small amounts of black dollars circulating among other mostly poor black people would never have never can never generate wealth but unlike dollars which lose strength when circulating only within one community missing heavily circulation as is the case where buying power gains strength exponentially i agree with the statement oh they smiling (laughs) but but Mm -hmm. if that's the case how did economic growth in tulsa happen that would seem to be a self-contained economic case where growth did happen anyway, especially since Tulsa existed in extreme segregationist and legally constrictive uh, conditions.
2: Now, I didn't look at the details for this book, and I and I'm if 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 I had, I don't really I don't want to have any regrets, but if I did, this would be one of them. I would have liked to 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 have really dealt with this more specifically. Uh, but essentially the, the 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 question of Tulsa is is uh, really the, the question I'm trying to explain in another context, maybe in a larger context okay. with that previous statement uh, uh, in other words the, the what is actually almost let me not say it that way what extends the trauma of the white terrorism that crushed Black Wall Street? Is that it? Pro- it promotes and persists the myth that had that white terrorism not occurred, something would would have flourished in in Oklahoma that could have been duplicated across the country that would have solved the condition of all the black community. Mm. And one thing that gets lost is that within Tulsa, and again, I don't have the numbers in front of me and okay. other people's work. We would have to get to for the details, but okay. but but off the top, the 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 well some of it is mythologized i mean the the amount of money that was generated in tulsa relative to other black communities in you know shortly after reconstruction looked good but it wasn't creating the kinds of wealth that could be turned into something that was going to uh, satisfy everybody and i mm-hmm. don't know that there was even enough capital and enough businesses in that community to satisfy all the needs of all the consumer interests or des- desires of everybody in the community um mm-hmm. It also, by the way, and I don't I can't prove this with Tulsa, but in terms of other people's work, where, where you know whether it's the black bourgeoisie or, or Ofari's work or other people who have looked at this in Baraderon as well. We also don't know that whatever money would have been accumulated among a black bourgeoisie would have been used to help everybody else. I mean, there is a history mm. of a black elite being created and saying, right. I don't give a damn about everybody. You know, right. people forget that Du Bois came back with the guiding One Hundred. Because mm-hmm. in a speech he gave to the Talented Tenth in 1948, he said, you all aren't doing what I thought you were I didn't say become doctors and lawyers so you could run away from your people. Right. I, you, so he was saying maybe that we need a smaller group who's actually going to use their advancement to help everybody unlike the rest of these traders who are just running off with all the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another, another part of it. But then the, the real part is that without the ability for the money that was developed in in, in Tulsa to be invested outside of Tulsa and, and to accumulate wealth that would be reinvested back into Tulsa the 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 expansion or the growth couldn't have gone too far. Uh, because again if you even just think about it, if you just think of it on a family level if you just take you know the you know a five or six person family or a four person family whatever and you just take whatever money that they have and just circulate around where does the more money come in?
1: Right, okay. Like
2: the four of us, I might have it, for three of us, I might have it for a while, you'll have it for a while, she'll have it for a while, but where does it get expanded?
1: Right, slow growth,
2: uh, okay. It's, it's slow, the only way for the three of us, for instance, would be, would be to pull our money and invest that and hope that that got flipped and then came back to us in greater numbers that we could redistribute to have more money. But the idea that we could just circulate the same poor few dollars that we have and, and have that expand, that's just not how wealth is created. Mm. Um, and again, the point really is, part of the propaganda is to say, stay in your own community, shop with each other, buy with each other, and you'll get free. Don't join the political struggle, don't have mass movements, don't look at public policy, just stay over there. Uh, while they're over there redirecting all the real wealth that's generated back to themselves.
1: Mm.
0: There was a question that uh, came up for you, Dr. Ball, in the chat. Um, It was from, let's see, I believe that Um, by and if I and if I say your name incorrectly, I'm so sorry, but I think it's uh, Omawale Africa. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, And the and the question was uh, for Dr. Ball. How do we, as a community, uh, as a community, finance our own liberation, uh, absent a absent a mass redistribution? Redistrib- yeah, I cannot talk. Absent a mass redistribution of wealth from the government,
2: the, I, the, I, I don't know of any way, uh, and and that's why I'm arguing that we if 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 for all above board legally sanctioned political activity i think it should be addressed at developing public policy that says redistribute the wealth we're all creating that's the only hope i hey. see us having mm-hmm. i don't okay. you know for instance i was at i was at a, a sporting goods store a couple of years ago with, with one of my daughters buying her a soccer ball and some other stuff for soccer right and the guy at the counter the brother just working at the counter says would you like to donate to cancer research mm-hmm. and i said no and then he kind of gave me a look that was meant to like shame me a little bit, like really, like, like really. And other people were kind of standing around, like, what's wrong with this guy? And I said, Look, man, I said, it's no, I said, There's no disrespect, but this is a multi-billion dollar sporting goods store, and I just spent $80 on a ball and some sh- shorts or whatever. Why why should I be asked to give more money to cancer research? I just contributed Yay. to the billions of dollars that this this that the owner of this place makes every year. So this this store mm-hmm. must generate billions more than that. Have have you donate. Like, I'm not... <laughs> like, I've already done my part. I paid for this wildly expensive sporting goods gear. Like, I've done my part. You you kick in. Like, you're not going to shame me. Like, I'm, you know... I, I'm barely making it out here. I'm not ashamed. Like, we, like there should be no shame in, in, in poverty or relative poverty. There should be no shame in saying we can't afford something. There should be no... You know, and I get this from a friend of mine who said after Katrina that he wasn't going to contribute to the to the Red Cross. And I was like, "Dad, that sounds harsh. Mm. What he said, You said we're in the most powerful government in the history of the world with trillions of dollars at its disposal. Why am I being asked to give the Red Cross? That's the point of the government. That's the point mm. of taxes. Get down there and save them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, so that's that's what I'm saying. That should be how we it is. Don't don't come to me asking me for more money from a billion dollar company or a trillion dollar government. Mm-hmm. you redistribute i've we have already done our job i pay my bills i pay my taxes i i go i go to the movies i pay the fifty dollars for popcorn every once in a while you know what i mean we do all of that <laughs> we do all Dallas? of that i mean you know, <laughs> if i take my if i take my two girls to that's, the movies it's easily a hundred dollars that's uh, not the east coast man but that's I
0: said, uh, <laughs> Yeah. And then they Jeez,
2: put the reclining chairs in the joints now with the cup holders. I mean, come on! But I'm, so I'm saying we've all done all of that. When I, when you go to, you know, get your car fixed, when you go to to the gas station, when you buy a soda, when you anything, anything generates all this money, and when. Mm-hmm. We don't it again, we're seeing right now what happens. So, don't tell me I'm being irresponsible. I'm saving this country's economy when I go when I do that. So,
1: mm.
2: that's my consumption and reward it by redistributing the wealth we create. So, I don't have to worry about subsidizing mm-hmm. someone's cancer research or right. flood survivors or whatever.
0: That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to uh, show this particular chart because, like, I think it's really important to uh, really especially when you talk about wealth and share of wealth and who has wealth and who don't. Um, If you, Ethan can go to, I believe the last link on the document that you shared.
2: By the way, if people don't know, Omawale Africa, I'm sure this is the same brother. This dude is sharp as hell and his work needs to be checked out. Uh, a wally africa i'm a wally africa and i okay. believe that's his, his twitter handle too if you just search his his work is 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 vicious
1: okay. <laughs> Nice. all right well
0: I'll definitely do can you go to uh page seven yep that one right there this is where we are people <laughs> Uh, so this is actually, um, uh, and I believe that a lot of people who are actually in the chat are familiar with this report, the Color of Wealth report that was done at the uh, Samuel Du Bois uh, Cook Center on Social Equity. Uh, it was a bunch of different people on it, including Dr. Sandy Darity. And this particular calculated by uh, Matt Brunek's demos when he uh, came up with this particular chart from 2013 and it actually shows where the percentage of wealth is and what group holds it. And you can actually see 90% of the wealth. I'm gonna say that one more time, <laughs> just in case they can hear me in the back. 90% of the wealth is held in the hands of white folk. And
2: this by the way, in the uh, forgetting interruption, but if if yeah. if, if I forgot the, the exact numbers, but I do have the breakdown in, in, in my book somewhere.
0: Yeah. Again,
2: that's sort of my point. That's even that as wild as that is, that is even misleading because that 90%. Mm. Is really held by probably less than one percent of that white population. Mm. You know, so when you look at who holds the stock and who holds the the, the land and, and the the really wealth-producing assets, to say white people is mm. is itself misleading. Although you know the, this chart is you know grossly accurate, graphically mm-hmm. accurate. That, that within that white group, it's just a handful of people that have all of that and it's in in part the propaganda that they use to keep the rest of their white folks in line from raising questions uh about that as well
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Mm. but even though even though the you can't even say that like you know 90 percent of the wealth even would be held in that particular maybe like top one two percent you know it's still a stark difference from uh where you would actually see where uh black folks actually fall which Mm -hmm. is uh, I believe more accurately, less than three percent of the wealth in the nation, and the majority of that wealth, again, is in like the top one percent of our particular community. Uh, so um, you can go ahead and uh, uh, take that down, Ethan.
2: I mean, I only like to point that out because when Nick Hanauer and those other venture capitalists are talking about their fears of who's coming to get them, it's not us. Mm. It's the it's the white folks that they're saying because <laughs> that's what the military was predicting. They didn't say black. Generation Z. They said Generation Z. They mean the white folks Mm -hmm. who've been fed this myth about their superiority and this Mm -hmm. being their country. And they're turning around and they're not going to have a damn thing to show either. And they're going to, you know, Occupy Wall Street was a little bit of that,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: but they're Mm -hmm. expecting something much worse. So, Mm -hmm. and it's not even from us. Mm. so as bad as we're getting it they're worried about they know that their white folks are the first ones and they got all the guns too because they got all the connections in the military so that's well
0: we we did see uh, uh some uh, beautiful militia, militia people in michigan and, and other places mm. that right. are actually flexing with their guns you know saying i ain't gonna wear them daggum masks it's just my freedoms that's right mm-hmm. you know I mean, and
2: they were grabbing the necks of white folks and even
0: white cops yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. That's who, yeah. that's who Nick the, Hanauer
2: and them are worried about. They're not talking. And
0: the white about- and the white cops <laughs> They was a no, singer, like, okay, You know,
2: because no. <laughs> they know those white folks in the streets got more guns than them. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. they'll yeah. snap us up. They'll shoot us down. They'll put neck, they'll put their knees on our back. Mm-hmm. But but they know them white boys. They got the fifty cal machine guns and the mm-hmm. armor piercing bullets mm-hmm. and the the explosive rounds and all that extra stuff that they get right, from yeah. the military connects. That's right. why mm-hmm. they, the police they were like, I'm not doing they, a damn thing,
1: right? And they and, have no
2: problem with shooting police. No, mm-hmm. it, it, that's a, I was exactly gonna say the same thing. They're always talking about black people. It's the white folks that run up on Texas sheriffs in the middle of the day in their house mm-hmm. and shoot them and their wives at lunchtime in the living room.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
2: mm-hmm. the white groups doing that. Black people don't <laughs> run up on police like that. No, we're trying to
0: run away from police so we don't get killed and get, and get shot in the I back. Right, right. They're <laughs> right. like, I'm not
2: getting shot in the back. I'm gonna go <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. right here, right here, right now. Cap. Right. Yep.
0: Fifty cal machine gunned up. Right. Let me get my Kevlar vest going on. Mm-hmm. You know, Jed is with me. I got right. you. All you that. know what I'm saying? All that. Yes. Uh, another question from the chat, um, this is uh, from uh, Josh Gray L and shout out to Josh Grayell. also one of the brothers from Be the Power that uh, airs on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Make sure you guys check them out. Uh, he asked uh, Dr. Ball, if you agree, actually, with Matt Brunegg. I, I, I'm assuming you're uh, referring to uh, the chart that I just put up uh, not too long ago about the wealth distribution.
2: Yeah, as far as I could see it, I don't I don't disagree at all. I was trying to add some of the details into the breakdown within white folks. Like mm-hmm. that, um, but as far as I could see the chart and if I'm not mistaken, my own work is referenced in that report. Uh, yeah, it is. I don't I don't I don't have any problems with um the conclusions there. I, I um yeah so yeah I agree the, the wealth the wealth distribution is horrible. I just yeah. like you know sometimes you know that white folks um uh, well, it's not work white supremacy and capitalism don't even work for white people. So that's, mm. that's, that's so mm-hmm.
0: yeah. I um it, it's it's kind of funny, like you know, when you think about racism, white supremacy or, or systemic racism or institutional racism, um the whole purpose of it was just to keep a particular group at the top. Mm-hmm. And it was always white elite, you know. Right. It, and and then and then if we so the word of the day is propaganda propaganda, uh, propaganda propagandizing the poorer whites uh, to say that hey you know you could be just like us just side with us even though we kind of screwing you over too uh, while we while we still keep these particular people at the bottom you know what I'm saying and and um and even though like you know and, and of course like a lot of people are, are familiar with the data especially when it comes to like you know poor whites actually kind of doing better than black uh black folk that even got like degrees which is crazy uh, sometimes i will be kind of want to go back to my uh, institution and be like, you know, can I get that like, you know, six figures back real quick? Mm. You know what I'm saying? I can kind of use it right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. Know <laughs> <laughs> <Love> the truth. <laughs> can, uh, the, the, you know, people in the family, <laughs> and tag, can y'all feel me? Like you feel like going back to your PWR. Sometimes your HBCU be like, yo, can I get that money back? You know, Look, like, the, hey, the hey. alumni
2: don't come looking for you to get <laughs> no. money back. They come looking for you to get more from
0: you. Hey. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know, and I'll be like, "Where? From where? madam You <laughs> gonna get you this start money? waving that charter around
2: like I don't have anything,
0: I <laughs> right? Have anything. Right, exactly. So, you know, uh, and and to me, like when I read work like yours and, and also uh, reading like The Color of Money and like, you know, and, and some of like all these other uh, particular books that are coming out, it's kind of like, we are in a place where it's like so important to advocate for policies to actually uh to, to close this racial wealth gap like right. we need policies we need reparations uh right. there's the, uh, to, to me there's no fight about this It shouldn't be fight about this at all because like the data corroborates what is absolutely needed because like all these particular things that you even espouse in your particular book is about like, you know, black buying power at one some $1.4 trillion. And it's not even something that we had, even when, um, uh, uh, Mr. Johnson, uh, pulled that particular number out the sky for the $15 billion in collective income. So we got that money to spend, but we really don't. And we even didn't have it at that particular time. It was just kind of like, you know, I almost feel like, you know, it's like a whole like trick bag was actually played to say that, you got something that you really don't and you know look
1: i
2: the question for me and 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 this might be well i know as we approach the end it's not a good time to bring up a point of possible disagreement but it's not it's not that i don't think reparations is deserved i just think tactically it's never going to be given Um, um in part because of the propaganda that we've been talking about white people have been convinced that they are not even successful enough because black people have been given too much already. So the Mm -hmm. idea that two thirds of the country would vote to redistribute its wealth just to black people, I find that as tactically, I find that difficult to, to, to conclude as possible. So this is why I keep saying, if we make the argument about the 20 trillion, then there doesn't have to be a debate about who gets what reparations wise financially everybody would be taken care of and then black people could do the personal private things collectively in the community to heal all the other elements of reparative uh associated with, with reparative justice that don't come financially so uh, uh in part i don't want white america to get the feeling that well we gave them some money and now we're all good uh and i also don't want i also just don't think tactically that that's i just don't see it happening Ah, uh, they won't even sign off on 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 a on a house resolution to do a study that has already been proven well, is unnecessary. So um, hey, tune in next
0: what? week when we actually talk about that study yeah. and, uh, and also because <laughs> uh, we're going to get into the study um, yeah. and 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 I and we yeah because like yeah. That, that's a trick bag too. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say this though I I, I hear what you're saying. And, and, but, but I, I would also say as being a student, I'm not a historian, but a student of history, no one gets anything without advocating for it. And oftentimes, and even if we kind of look at uh, like the civil rights movement, um, they didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get like an actual uh, bill passed for even like basic civil rights to say that, hey, you guys are human too until 1964, which was nine years after the civil rights movement actually started. So oftentimes, like a lot of these, you know, even if we if we all we can at least like get to the point where we can say that we can agree about advocating for policy that's going to be for the betterment of our community. You know, I I know that I don't see anything beyond reparations only because where we are right now, as far as like when you look at the wealth, when you look at income, when you look at even like the centuries of plunder. Right. You know that we that we have experienced, and even though like um even though like we have other groups that are like you know in a bad space, black people especially the slavers of chattel slavery is bad. Right. It, it's, it's very bad, right. and and you know, and it's kind of like it's and and we know that forming a militia ain't gonna work. Mm-hmm. They gonna squash that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they already sent. Uh, I don't know if you all uh, got a chance to see that. Um, uh, it was in the Chicago Tribune today that they actually sent like 150. Um, Federal troops to Chicago Mm -hmm. this week. You know Uh, what their what their role is is unknown at this particular time. So we're really not sure what they're what they're here for. But they know that. But if we kind of look at what happened in Portland, um, you know, it could be it could be a repeat of that. So you know, who knows? So the, the the only thing that in this particular portion that that has to happen is it's going to have to necessary it's going to have to be legislation on the gov- on on the federal level mm-hmm. it, it has to be right. uh in order to because like no group got wealth without government assistance
1: you and you know that yeah, that's correct.
2: You and know that. You know, and, yeah. the, and that's the only reason why I'm saying tactically we d- we would disagree because to get that level of federal government support, we're gonna need so many more people from other communities to sign off on just giving wealth to black people. And well, that see, is the part I don't, I just. Our,
1: our job as ADOS is to, is to change minds and surprise people.
2: So yes. professor,
1: when you get your check, I'm going to expect you to take me to the bar and buy me a drink.
2: <laughs> look, I'll buy you a drink but I'll get in this. We don't have to wait that long. We don't have to wait that long. I I, I, I,
0: look,
2: I would say look look I know look, I know that this is also a point of disagreement but but yeah. I think that tactically the the Adar strategy of cutting of everyone off is does a disservice to that movement that the federal government support for black people has always accompanied support from other communities to help get that black support from the federal government. So this is the only reason why I'm saying at the level of material redistribution, Mm -hmm. there has to be some sort of collective unified effort with other communities to say, you don't have to sign over to say, cut a check to black people sign over a permanent redistribution of that $20 trillion for everybody, and then everybody will be more than materially taken care of forever. Sure, mm-hmm. but you
1: know, but this is what I say, sir. Mm-hmm. The government is able to do that for other groups. They're able to deal with groups in the what I call a separate file. Mm-hmm. Whenever issues for Jews come up that require resources, they're dealt with in a separate file. Mm-hmm. No other communities are involved. When but it again, comes to the American... But- when it comes to the American Indian, same deal, okay. The American and Indian has not we, gotten
2: anything. I don't know what, I don't
1: <laughs> well, know what they've gotten. Well, I, we we, they we live can on talk two dollars a that. day. <laughs> we can talk about that, but but I think that the for the when it comes to the case for black people uh, of chattel that came from chattel slavery in this country, mm-hmm. that we have a more substantial case than any other group in this country. I'm not this disagreeing.
2: I'm see again I'm not disagreeing this my argument is not about deserving mm-hmm. nobody deserves more than black people in this country that's where we agree I don't disagree that my I'm talking about tactically how to get what we deserve is where we disagree mm. by the way the jews used an international struggle that goes well beyond the jewish community to get what jews want the that's zionist true. movement is is an international and multi religious multi ethnic movement Zionists. That- so,
0: that's so, true, but, but I, but I will say that even, even in that particular vernacular, we have to still be more of a concentrated portion about what's here in the United States. We're, uh, the thing about it is, and I understand you're saying you're not necessarily uh, disagreeing as far as like what we deserve as a, as a group, not but and, and 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 also too like you can and and, and it's going to be difficult to especially like if you're trying to get buy in you know from other communities. Um, but I I, I I will say this that we uh, and and I wish that I had my numbers together. I will have them next week though, about how there are more communities of different people who are outside of our particular community that are. Actually, espousing to support reparations for American descendants of slavery, and um, and and also, and I know that we have like dissenters, but you do have a growing number of actually people who are actually seeing that this is something that's absolutely necessary at this particular time. And what kind of reparations uh, the are they
2: advocating? Do you, do you at least do you have any idea about that? Because again, my point is that I don't want to get. Well, I don't know exactly what what you all are advocating in terms of of reparations, and there's different mm-hmm. ways it could be delivered. But but mm-hmm. but the idea well, that go ahead, go ahead.
0: Well, it would it's it's more of and and unfortunately, I'm going to have to wrap this up pretty okay. soon. Sure, sure. Um, but um, it, it would be uh, cash payments and also set aside, which will be multi generational. Um, you know, so, and, and, and as far as like what that looks like, again, I I don't have the time to actually go through all that right now. Um, but it's, it's, it's not just cash. Um, it will be also initiatives as well in order to uh, help actually make a specific community whole. Uh, so, um, but cash is definitely going to be a good part of that. It's, I, I I would push back on saying, just give black folk a $350,000 check and call it a day. That's not going to fix you know the issues no. that we're actually dealing no. with as a company, as a, I'm sorry, not as a community. Um, but like, uh, but as I mentioned before, like yes, cash is going to be uh, definitely a big part of it. But it's also going to be other initiatives to address a lot of the different things that we are dealing with as a people, and also to help make become, uh, the the community whole. And on that note, I will have to say thank you, Dr. Ball. <laughs> Yo, for thank coming. you. And it's <laughs> thank <in>. you so <laughs> much. If, if, if I get
2: my check. You, 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 you get one drink from me, no matter what. If I get a check, drink. it's two. two. <laughs> if I get a check, that's two.
3: So thank you both very much. I appreciate
0: your time. I appreciate you coming. Thank you again for uh, for uh, for you know talking with us and really going through this myth and propaganda that we are dealing with, and you know even talking about some solutions. So, and and I also want to uh, thank everybody for actually tuning in. Uh, thank you, everyone in the chat, for uh, with your questions and your comments. You know, this is the Largest viewed show that we have had since the 13% has been streaming. Yay, give it up for that. All right. And I want to thank all my, you know, my people who were um on, on the Twitters and the Facebooks and all my uh and the chapters and uh, all my ADO's family that was sharing. Like, yes, please watch this show. So I'm so glad. That mm-hmm. you all, uh, you know, got on your, on your square and was really sharing this content. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so, again, I like this video, people. If you haven't shared it yet, please share it on your, rep- uh, on your different platforms. Uh, if you like the content, uh, we do have a Patreon. Uh, all that information is in the, uh, the show notes. Uh, you can click on the Patreon and become a patron to actually support this content. You can also uh, go to the link to buy us a coffee. I like my coffee, Black, no sugar, no cream you know, because, you know, that puts like, you know, fat on, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I thought on you top. were going to say
2: that. I that was the hip
0: hop. <laughs> right, I played black. sugar. I like that song. Yeah, I do. I like that song. I ain't gonna lie, Yeah, I'm mean, hip hop here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Though I'm I thought that's where you
2: were going, but that's good. Okay, yeah.
0: Black coffee, no sugar, no cream. Hey, no, yeah, just down with that, my man. team. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. So yeah. So everyone, again, thank you for watching. Uh, tune in next week. Uh, we're gonna have our, our brand new penny again. Uh, Mr. Arthur Ward, all and right. I'm going to be talking more on this particular topic about reparations, and you know, and everything that comes with it, and if it's if it's viable, all that great stuff. So we're definitely going to be getting to the weeds of that. Mm-hmm. And um, again, we will see you all on the bye and bye Thank you, Peace, everybody. Peace and
1: goodbye.